0: Today's passage is from Acts chapter 1, verses 1 to 11. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. This same Jesus, who has been taken from you into heaven, will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. This is the word of the Lord.
1: <laughs> told you. Don't pressure yourself too much. <laughs> oh. We're good? You hear me? You okay? Perfect. Okay, Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you, church. It's been quite a, a year, last year, 2021, with everything that we've gone through. I heard and I saw a few memes going to 2022 that it's really 2020, part two. I really. Pray, no matter what it is that we go through, uh, that we will continue strong in the faith, no matter what happens. Uh, that it's the same God has brought us through every each and every single year. That He's constant through it all, and that He is, He is uh, good. Uh, so uh, we are starting a new series uh, today, uh, the Book of Acts, calling it the Gospel in Motion, and we'll explain a little bit in a little bit why uh, that is. And this series, we, the, the book, the whole book is about trusting God about following God and trusting in the spirit and listening uh, to him so we planned for this set uh, for this series to go for at least half a year we'll see maybe shorter maybe longer I don't know we'll see what happens It's God, God speaks so, like that's a long time that we can spend in in this book and there's a reason why because there's a lot of really good good theological truths in here of what it means to be the church what it means to be a disciple what do we do after we heard the teachings of jesus what do we do with what we've heard and learned that this is what happens to the church that the gospel is in motion that it moves forward and that it bursts forth from that place in israel in jerusalem on on that day uh, so i'm excited for this i'm not sure how you felt Have you ever read through the book of acts jam-packed with action Lots of different characters. The church is moving out and about doing amazing things. They're uh, they're, they're being persecuted for their faith. They're being stoned. People don't like them. Some of them love them. But a lot of people hate them more. And they're going around with the truth of the gospel in hand, knowing that this is what they need to do and what they have to proclaim. And maybe 2021 was... Terrible for you, but as you're going to 2022, I barely made it to midnight, by the way. It <laughs> was, was a countdown, and I'm like, man, I'm so tired, but I made it through. Okay, let's go to sleep. Uh, and I remember going through and just how like, man, what is 2022 going to be like? What is it going to look like? After everything that the last two years have been like for me, you're kind of thinking maybe I want to reserve some of my hopes and dreams. Because all of them seems to be to be crushed. This year, it's a big year for our family, as we're expecting maybe number three later in April. Uh, it's coming in, in Easter weekend, April 16th, uh, so it'll be interesting. I keep joking with Pastor Howard, <laughs> I'm like, be prepared. Um, we'll see what happens. Uh, but it's exciting because it's, it's a big year uh, for, for us. But I think back to when we had our first uh, with Cohen, and uh, being a new uh, parent, being a new dad, I uh, still don't really know what I'm doing uh, most of the time, but learning uh, I remember Jess's water breaking, middle, early in the morning, and she's like, so calm. She comes over to the bed and just looks, wakes me up saying, like, Doug, don't panic. I'm like, okay, you don't never start the day waking up someone with those words, <laughs> <boys>, don't <laughs> panic. And I knew right away what that meant. I grabbed the go bag and I ran to the car, and Jess is like, you know, just waddling around. Because, like, you know, um, the hospital, you know, the whole, she knows what to expect and whatnot. Uh, she's like, I haven't had contractions yet, so should be fine. The doctor said that uh, we should grab something to eat before we go to the hospital. So, on the way to the hospital, we stopped at Angel Cafe. Uh, even though her water broke, and we're out at Angel Cafe 47th and, um, and Fraser there. And uh, not 47th, 43rd, or 43rd and Fraser. Uh, and we're eating breakfast. And Jess is like, You're not eating. I'm like, How can you eat? Right now, how can you eat? This is not normal. Cool. <laughs> Like, this is not normal. Like, your water's broke, you're about to have a baby. I'm, I can't eat macaroni and ham uh, right now, okay? Uh, we made it in, and it was a terrifying scene for me because we're sitting there waiting, and this mother is coming into the waiting room, and it's like, I can feel the baby's head. <laughs> I'm listening there, this is freaking out. I'm like, this is not normal. Like, this is not what's supposed to be. And the doctor saw us, and I uh, uh, talked to Jess, like, have you had any contractions yet? No. It's like, well, you have 24 hours uh, before we should start inducing you uh, because the baby's exposed and it uh, might get infection. So go back home and wait. That was the instructions. And I was like, this is... Driving home, out silent. You know, I was sitting at home in silence. <laughs> like, I, you know, anytime, right? What's gonna happen? I'm just sitting there on edge, just, just waiting. Uh, until we went back the next morning, and yes, Jess was induced, and, you know, and Cohen, uh, came later that day. But I remember the doctor saying, wait, wait. I was like, wait, what What am I waiting for? I'm sitting there waiting. And I'm like, now what? What exactly am I waiting for? And why I bring up that story. It's because the apostles in that day were received the very similar instructions of just wait. Jesus came. They saw and lived with him for three years, all the amazing ministries that they have gone through and they have done. They watched him be beaten and crucified and died. They went to the tomb and he wasn't there. And they see him uh, has They've seen him. Uh, they saw him rose again, walking among among them. And now, before as he's about to leave again, he tells his disciples just to wait. And they're like, now what? Wait for what? That was traumatic. Everything we've gone through was so traumatic. What are we waiting for? And and what we'll see as the Book of Acts unpacks itself as we read through it that no matter what it seems like the chaos is going through, that God has a plan. That God has a plan that he has initiated. And I want to show a bit of a map here. It's, I, it's really hard to see. Does uh, I, I, this point to work? Yeah, but you can't see it online. Uh, but that's okay. Uh, so everything that we have just talked about, the 33 years of ministry that Jesus has been working on is in this little part here called Israel. Everything, all the miracles, all the healings, all the raising of the dead, all the proclamations, all the sermons, everything we have seen and heard in the gospel of Luke, which we've just gone through, it's just in this little place right here on the map. What do you do after you hear the stories of Jesus? What do you do? The gospel goes in motion. That's what happens. Everything that have heard, the gospel goes into motion. Ultimately, what the book of Acts is all about is the triumph of the gospel. That's what the book of Acts is about. How the gospel explodes out of this tiny place in Jerusalem, on that dot on a map, and makes it all the way to Rome, which is oh, it's on this map. It's the next one. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm so big as I'm on this map, uh, it makes it all the way to Rome, which is to the ends of the earth as they knew it at that time. We see the gospel just explode. The of the Gospels, unstoppable. This wave after wave of the grace of God is moving through the land after they heard what Jesus has preached and proclaimed and they embodied it. And, and in some of your Bibles, as you read, it's called it simply says Acts, but some of your Bibles say the Acts of the Apostles. And that's true, that it's the Apostles that are sent forth. It's their Acts. But that title doesn't perfectly encapsulate everything that's going on because it's not just the Apostles that are acting, it's it's God it's god acting through the apostles some, so some have suggested that this book should be called the acts of the holy spirit that is the holy spirit that's moving and though the holy spirit is god it doesn't mention jesus or god the father as well because all of them the trinity are working perfectly in unity as the gospel is being proclaimed and here throughout this whole series i'm leaning heavily on Darrell Bach's commentary on the book of acts and he has a super long title for what he calls acts. Darabach calls it this, the acts of the sovereign God through the Lord Messiah Jesus by his spirit on behalf of the way. Uh, The way meaning the church. (laughs) So really what we're reading about is the gospel exploding out as God is acting as Jesus, taking the truth of Jesus and his teachings into action as the Holy Spirit empowers his people. We see this wave of grace and the gospel moving through the land. And the very first thing, what we'll see in uh, in the book of Acts, what we're going to see is one day 3,000 people, the gospel just explodes in Jerusalem and 3,000 people come to believe in one day. As they share the gospel, 3,000 people come to believe. And then in Jerusalem, uh, after that action in Jerusalem, they move up to this place called Antioch, right here, which is going to be the launching pad for so many of the missionary activities, so much of the missions work. They're going to launch from, 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 from Antioch to a place called Cyprus, which is the island here. And they're going to move off uh, westward into Galatia, which is what you see in this area here. Oh, yeah, right here. Right here. Galatia which is right, right there. You hear the towns like Lystra, Derby, Iconium, and then they go back to Antioch after that first missions trip. And they're like, wow, that was great! We went and we just shared God's word, and people came to believe. Some stoned us, some wanted to get rid of us, but it was great. Uh, God's word was spread, God's word was good. We went back to Antioch, went around town, into this town, and then we went back to Antioch, and they shared that to the church, Antioch, and the church was like, great! Why don't you go back out again? They're like, they're gonna stone us, but it's okay. The gospel's too good to contain, so we're gonna go back out. So this time, they go a little bit further. They go through the same towns. And then they go through here, Asia, which is modern day Turkey. And they start evangelizing and sharing. And they make it all the way to Macedonia. make the way all the way to Macedonia. And then on the way back, they come through Greece. And you see towns like Ephesus, like Thessalonica, like Berea, like Corinth, like Athens. In Corinth actually they spent two years because that city is really something. And we're going to stop there and see all the things that they're wrestling through, which maybe here in Vancouver we can relate to a little bit more. And then they go back to Antioch. Again, in the report, they're like, hey, this is so good. You know, all the things that we have seen. And they're like, okay, let's do it again. So they go back out again and basically make the same trip all the way through these towns, evangelizing, being chased, imprisoned, beaten. But they're saying, well, this is so good. We're still going to sing hymns of praise because this God is worth worshiping. And they keep going, going, trekking, trekking. And this time, instead of going back to Antioch, they come back to Jerusalem. And the Jerusalem believers are saying here, wait a minute. You're telling us that there's non-Jewish people believing in God? Did you tell them about all the rules that we have? Things like circumcision? Is there circumcision. <laughs> you tell them all the rules that we need to do in order to follow? And they're like, I don't know, this God, like, this New Testament, and all the things we're trying to work out, it seems like it's just a belief in Him. And that His salvation is enough, that He rose again, and that is enough to cover all our sins and all our debt. So they're doing the work there in Jerusalem, and after that, they send another trip. And all of this, the Apostle Paul did all of these trips, and finally, in this last trip of his, he decides to stay in Jerusalem, he gets arrested, and he gets sent off into this little island, and he's abandoned, but he's saying, hey, what I've done here, you can't keep me like this, I want to be tried in front of Rome. You can't keep me because of the gospel here. I want to be trying in front of Rome, which at that time was the ends of the earth. So he makes this dramatic trip all the way across, past Cyprus, past Rome, into Crete, shipwrecks on Malta, in Sicily, where he battles some snakes. Uh, let's see what's gonna happen there. And it makes all the way up to Rome, which is where chapter 28, Acts 28, ends off. Okay. <laughs> This is the explosion of the gospel, guys. This is what happens when you hear and embody and believe the words of Jesus. The gospel explodes. What we're about to see is 30 years of ministry of the church post Jesus. Seven, the, the, the missionaries, the the apostles travel 17,500 kilometers by foot, some some by ship, by foot. What happened after Jesus? They visited 32 countries, 54 cities, 9 islands, speak to 95 leaders who were mentioned by name and title and authority. When you believe and embody the gospel, it changes everything in you. And the gospel explodes from that tiny dot in Jerusalem that day. And as we go through Acts chapter 1, 1 to 11, the hope I have for us today is this, that the birth of the church is powered by proof and the promises of Jesus. The birth of the church is powered by the proof and the promises of Jesus, that in that moment where Jesus resurrected and walked among them, and then ascends into heaven, which which we're about to read today, that everything changes, that the apostles hang on every single word of Jesus, the gospel explodes from that place that we see the gospel in motion. And I'm hoping that will encourage us here today, 2022, as we go forward the gospel of verse fourth from us. Whatever it is, whatever context you find yourself in, whatever work you're in, whatever school you have, whatever relationships you have, that you can be powered by the proof and the promises of Jesus that it was true then and still true today. Verse 1 in my former book, which is part 1, was the gospel of Luke. So part two, which is Dr. Luke writing again, this is part two. Luke Acts were commonly read together. My former book, Theophilus, which means friend of God or beloved by God, which we don't really fully know who he is, but some thought and, and believed that he funded the projects, the writing, he funded the church. He was a wealthy man, he was an influential man in that time. I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach, Until the day he was taken up to heaven and after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles, he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave them many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. I love this, Jesus presented himself to them, to the apostles and to the disciples and to the followers and gave them many convincing proofs. And point number one for us this morning is this, the birth of the church is grounded in the proof of the resurrection. The birth of the church is grounded in the proof of the resurrection. I love how Jesus didn't just provide proof, but it was convincing proof. He walked among them for 40 days after the resurrection. After he's been crucified, he's walking around. It wasn't just to a few people, but it was to crowds of people that saw him. He was eating with them, drinking with them, uh, and having meals uh, with them, teaching them. And they saw them, and seeing is important. I, I've shared the story before where Duncan came back from school. My brother came back to school one day. He was like, hey, Doug, there's a coyote roaming in the neighborhood. And I was like, yeah, 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 you know. Ooh, coyote. You know, kind of mocking him, making fun of him. And then after, I can't remember where we were going. I got in the car, we drove off, and I was still going and walking. Him. Ooh, you know, Coyote. And then he's like, there it is. I was driving, made a right corner, and a Coyote is standing right in the middle of the street. I was silent. <laughs> See, it's different. Jesus appeared. Jesus appeared in front of them. People were like, hey, Jesus rose again. People were like, ooh, you know, like, Oh, there he is. Oh, walking, eating, <laughs> drinking, laughing with them. And for many of us, the birth of our spiritual lives, the birth of the church, the birth of our spiritual life begins by believing and looking at Jesus and believing he is really who he says he is. The Convincing proofs. And God has that. He, he provides that. Maybe we can point to the Bible as a document that's been scrutinized to many that points to this Jesus and the word of God. I love uh, one commentator says it this way every time I read the Word of God, I know it is the voice of God. That and it's God is speaking to us. That as you read it, you have those moments where Jesus is speaking to you, that Jesus is alive and real, and it points to this Christ. And maybe we can point to the testimonies and the millions of Christians around the world that believe in this Jesus, who have stories to share, stories upon stories of how God has changed them how they've encountered this Jesus, how Jesus has given them this hope in this life, how the Holy Spirit has empowered them to do things that they didn't think they could do. Maybe you can point to moments in your own life where you look back and you're like, that was a God moment. That was nothing that I could have done. The person that I met, the people that I'm with, the situation that that I'm in, that it was purely God. The birth, of the, church, the birth of the church is grounded in the proof of the resurrection because everything hinges on the resurrection at that point forward. The wave of the gospel exploded to the ends of the world. And we're going to see that. We're going to see that through the rest of the book of Acts. Verse 8, on one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait. Do not leave Jerusalem. But wait, for the gift of my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? They still didn't quite understand. They still was to come bringing a physical army to come and to uh, go into the ends of the earth. And he's like, you don't get it, guys, because you guys are the army. You guys are my people. You are going to bring my gospel. I'll come not with a sword, but I'll come with the sword of the word, which is sharper than anything else. and It's going to change the landscape, as we know it, of the landscape of the cities and the landscape of the hearts of the people. Verse 7, he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates that the Father set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria and the." Before the disciples were to go, they had to wait. They had to wait. Wait in that place. Wait for more instruction. Wait to see what happens next. The instructions were to do not leave, but wait. Wait for what? We get that right in verse eight. Wait for the Spirit. Wait for the Holy Spirit. And as disciples, you you won't know the times and the dates of what's going to happen next. We don't know what's going to happen the moment we step out from this place, but what we do know, what God promises for us, is that we will receive the Holy Spirit, who is also God himself. Though we don't know what's going to happen to us, though we don't know what's going to happen moment we walk out this door, though we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, we can have something even better than knowing what's going to happen to us. We can have the presence of God himself. We can have the presence and the power of God himself dwelling inside of us, the birth of the church, is powered by the Holy Spirit as you see right here in chapter one. As the church is waiting, as the church is waiting for for, uh, for the Holy Spirit to come, and before they do all these amazing things, the explosion of the gospel, the birth of the churches, it's, the promise is here that it will be powered by the Holy Spirit. There won't be their own actions, it won't be their own efforts, that despite their fears, despite their shortcomings, the power of the Holy Spirit will come through them and act. Now I need to take a moment here, and this is not doing it justice. But what is the Holy Spirit? And some of you haven't heard this before. And for some of us that have, it's good to know, and you mind combine it up in anyway. The Holy Spirit is not a what, but a Who? The Holy Spirit is a person. The Spirit, we see in various passages, the Spirit speaks, the Spirit teaches, the Spirit helps us to make decisions, the Spirit is grieved, has emotions. The Spirit uh, reminds us of what is God's truth. The Spirit is a person. In the same way that we speak to one another, the Spirit speaks to us, and we could hear Him speak words of truth. The Holy Spirit is personal. John 14, 26, the Holy Spirit is what? Is our helper. He's he's right beside us. He knows us. He knows what we need. He knows our shortcomings. He knows our weaknesses. He doesn't speak to us from far away, but He speaks to us in a very personal way in a voice that we can recognize. The Holy Spirit is a gift. We read that just in this passage here. But it's a gift, meaning that has to be received. That God wants to give us the gift of the Spirit to, to, to live in power, To be able to make decisions that are holy and godly, to be filled with godly wisdom, God wants to give us the gift of the Holy Spirit, but we need to receive the Spirit. The Holy Spirit grows us spiritually. Galatians 5:22, 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is what: is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. That we know the Holy Spirit helps us to grow spiritually. That when we have the Spirit, we grow in all these aspects. We move forward in all these aspects. The Holy Spirit glorifies God through us. That ultimately, why we have the Holy Spirit is not for the sake of our own benefit. It's like, yay, I have the Spirit in me. (laughs) You know, that's great. Like, yes, that is great. But why God gives us the Holy Spirit is not just for our own edification and holiness and sanctification, but it's for the sake of the church. It's for the sake of our community here. It's for the sake of the church global, capital C church. That the Holy Spirit glorifies God for us. That when we go out and act in power, it's not glory to us, but it's glory to God the Father. The Spirit that's acting through us. John 16, 14, He will glorify me because it is from me that He will receive what He will make known to you that's one of the roles of the spirit is to glorify god the father but lastly which pierces my heart maybe the most out of all this the holy spirit can be ignored that though we can listen to the spirit though he's teaching us and giving us wisdom and guidance and he is joining us together and, and and giving us a picture of what it looks like to glorify god that the holy spirit can be ignored because god gives us a choice God gives us the ability to listen and to choose. Ephesians 4, 32, 30 to 32 the Apostle Paul speaks about grieving the Holy Spirit. And part of grieving the Holy Spirit has to do with not listening and rebuking and rejecting the Spirit. You see, ultimately, God gave us the Holy Spirit. As we read in this passage right here, God gave us the Holy Spirit so that we can be His witnesses. All of this is what the apostles, apostles were waiting for so that they could go and be empowered and to be the witnesses of the gospel from Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. In other words, for them, as everything that they knew it, at every location, every place, to the ends of the earth. Have you, thought of, have you ever thought about what that means for you, the ends of the earth? You're like, man, where what does that mean for me? Judea, Samaria? Okay, Judea, like you don't know, my just. Within my vicinity, Samaria, maybe that's, I don't know, Langley, nothing against Langley, <laughs> or Abbotsford, or Hope, and beyond, I don't know, like maybe province of BC, Western Canada, you can you define it as you want, but where's the ends of the earth for you? Ends of the earth for me. Firstly, in this passage here, we see that the ends of the earth is talking about a real place and a real people. It's not just metaphorical, it's actually a real place, not just metaphorical, but literal. It means to bring the gospel to all places to all people in all places. Uh, Eckhart Schnabel, he's a German evangelical theologian, he says this, going to try my German, it's not very good. Die Mission der jungen It's welt mission <laughs> Pretty good, right? Uh, you don't know otherwise, anyway. Uh, but what it means is this. The mission of the disciples is world missions. The mission of the disciples is world missions. There's no such thing as overseas missions and local missions. All missions is missions. All missions is world missions. Your mission is to go to the ends of the earth. That's the attitude. The mission of the disciples is world missions. And for some people, it could literally mean going to the ends of the earth, to the opposite side of the world, where God is calling you to go. Maybe that's you today. With the world coming to us here in Vancouver and wherever it is that you're living, the ends of the earth could be literally your neighbor. Literally, literally your neighbor. It could be your coworker, it could be your classmate, could be the person that's walking, that walks past you on the street. And most of what happens in Acts, this divine activity of the Holy Spirit that we're talking about here is not to pat us on the back and to say, man, it's so great to have the Holy Spirit. And I feel so comforted and so good. And that's part of it. But having the Holy Spirit, the divine activity, is meant to spread the word of God to all of humanity. That's why the church is given the Holy Spirit. It's never for personal use, or for personal gain. Though we experience the, the, the Holy Spirit personally, it's actually for the sake of the whole community. We gather and are empowered by the Spirit so that we can go to world missions, to reach the world, to reach our neighbors, to re- reach everyone that we know. As Daryl Bach says in this way, Luke emphasizes what the Spirit does for the community more than what the Spirit does in each believer. What you see through the uh, the, uh, book of Acts, as the Spirit acts, it's not just for personal gain, but it's actually what God does through the Spirit for the whole community, for the whole church, for the whole city, for the whole area. That's what we're going to see. Verse 9, after he said this, he was taken up before... Uh, into heaven. It's like my grade eight. in grade 8 of the PE teachers, I don't know what I was doing, I was standing there waiting for class to be off, and apparently my mouth was open, and my, that PE teacher said to me, Douglas, what are you doing? Just trying to catch flies. Uh, I imagine that's what the, <laughs> as I imagine the angels kind of saying, the men dressed in white, uh, looking at me and like, what are you doing? Close your mouths. Come on, let's go. You know, there's work to be done. Uh, we have to wait, <laughs> but there's work to be done. Uh, Let's go. Let's go. Go back and and sit, and to wait and to pray and to seek the Lord's will. You see, the motivation for the church, for the church to go, starts from this. It's the promise that Jesus will come back, because we read there right in the very end of verse eleven, that this same Jesus who has taken from you into heaven will come back. That's the promise we get as disciples. Will come back in the same way you have seen him going to heaven. What does what are the men in white saying there? That what Jesus is the way he goes up in that you know spiritual elevator. I'm not sure how it looked like at that moment. He'll come back down in the same method. Like I don't think that's the point, right? He's like, oh, you stand here and wait for him. He's gonna come back in the exact same location. No, that's not the point. The point is he will come back. The point is the way that he left right now, he will come back in the same way that Jesus left. He also will come back. And the focus isn't so much on how he will come back, but the focus is he will come back. And I think for us. In 2022, that ought to hit us hard here today because some of us have forgot from that. The world has numbed us This thinking today is it and our lives are it, and we forget that this Jesus will come back and we will be held accountable and that we are meant to be stewards and managers of his resources and his gifts that he's given us. He's going to ask us, hey, I gave you all these gifts. I empowered you with the Spirit. What have you been doing with them? I gave you the gift to, to share the gospel. How have you been sharing it? I gave, I gave you the gift of hospitality. Have you been hosting and, and greeting people and welcoming people? I gave you the gift of, of, of preaching and teaching. Have you been preaching and teaching? I gave, I gave you the gift of leadership. I gave you the gift of administration. I gave you the gift of whatever it is. And the question is for us, I think for me, is that I often don't use those gifts because I think, well, Jesus will come back one day, but not urgent enough. I'm going to sit and just be idle. See what happens, but here we get the promise that He will come back. That's both a warning and good news for us. It's good news for us because this world isn't it. What you're going through right now isn't it. That there is hope and love, and joy waiting for us forever in eternity with God in heaven, but also for right now we can experience Him through the Spirit. As I'm talking about the church, remember remember that the church is the people. So when I say the birth of the church, it's really the birth of every spiritual life here. You call yourself a Christian. It's the same for all of us. That the birth of the church is really another way of saying the birth of a Christian. The new life you have is grounded in the proof of the resurrection. That you look back and you're saying, no matter what it is that I go through now, I can look back to the resurrection. And the cross, and to know that God has defeated death, that my life is secure right here, right now, and that everything is going to be okay. As the birth, of the church is empowered, is powered by the Holy Spirit. So it is for you today, that you are powered by the Holy Spirit. If you received, and if you want Him to be in your life, that we can receive Him, that He sends us out, empowered to do amazing things for His, uh, for God's glory, in His name motivation for you also after knowing that Jesus will come back again, knowing that we have the power of the Holy Spirit is to go. Not just to gather in a holy huddle every single Sunday and every single time we have fellowship, but to go. To know to, we're meant to live out the power of the gospel. And for us as we start off 2022, what if it's a year of living in the power of the Spirit? Like, What if that's the year that for us as a church living in the power of the spirit maybe it's to grow in the fruits of the spirit to live with more joy this year to live with more joy joy more peace more kindness more hope more gentleness more self-control maybe it's loving your family more caring for your family a little bit more be more patient maybe it's taking up the roles that god has given you and provided for you I've challenged us with this before. What's that one word you want to live out this year? Or one phrase? This year, maybe for you, it is living in the power of the Spirit. That I want to trust in Him more. I don't want to rely on my own intelligence, my own strength, but in everything to trust in Him and what He is calling me to do. What's that one word? Maybe it's faithful. Maybe it is patience. Maybe it is joy. Maybe it is goodness. How are you going to do it? How are you going to be held accountable? Who are you surrounding yourself with that's going to keep you moving in that one direction? Because the Spirit is alive and he's moving and we all have a part to play, every single one of us. Every single one of us as the church, we all have a role to play. But I do have more goals and maybe visions. Let's call it a vision and hopes and dreams for us this year. I was meeting with Aaron, who's gonna take up the English ministry um, leadership, uh, the department head role, and the streaming and visioning of what that looks like. What if this year we grew in relationship with one another? Like what if we actually got to know each other as a church? Now one of our challenges as a church is that we act for me, we act like we're bigger than we are, but what if we come with to each other with more vulnerability? with more authenticity, with more intimacy. It's not about being polished. It's not about having everything perfect. It's about trusting in the spirit and coming a little bit more, uh, uh, coming a little bit more raw with one another and building an authenticity, building up a relationship. Imagine having a coffee or a Zoom call or a meal with 10 people in our church that you haven't had that before. It's not a whole lot. We average 60 or 70 people, right? So, 10, I don't know, it's not that many, that's quite a big number of the congregation members, but imagine that, what would that, 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 that look like? What if we reached out into our community, and we cared, that we just start satisfied sitting in the pews, while we went out? We start picking up garbage again. We start going out serving coffee again, for those that were brave enough to take out the coffee during COVID, uh, or we have to be smart about it, and just go out into our community, just being a presence again, inviting our neighbors, Inviting them to come out and be like, hey, we actually care about you. I actually want to have this conversation with you. What if we care? Having another conversation with someone at our church is saying that at our church, we have a unprecedented number of people that are very creative, that have this entrepreneurial heart. What if you let that, the seed of the gospel, explode in those areas in your life? That though the, that the creativity that comes from our church, the ideas that come from our church, the initiatives that come from our church, is powered by the Spirit. And you go forth. And you go forth. You take that and you run with it, and you trust that this is what God is doing. This year, don't let it be just another year. As we start off. May it be a year the gospel goes in motion. And maybe you're doing that already. That's good. Keep going. But may the gospel burst forth on your life because the birth of the church is powered by proof and promises of Jesus that we can rely on him and know everything he said is true. Let's pray. Father, today at this moment, we come before you and we acknowledge, God, that you're good, that you're a God. And at the beginning of the church, we see, Lord, how the gospel exploded from that place, from that tiny place, God, on the cross, where you died and you rose again. And I pray, Lord, that, that your gospel will explode from our hearts this morning. And that we, Lord, again will affirm that you are good and you are kind, that may great things come from our lives this, this year as we follow and as we trust in you. So, Lord, in us a creativity. Unleash in us, God, an obedience to your word. Unleash in us, God, a faithfulness to you, following you. Whatever spiritual gifts you've you've given us, God, may you fan them into flame for the glory of your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.